Five key ways SEOs should be embracing their content teams with Ashley Liddell. The In Search SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps skill your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. How well are you leveraging the power of your content teams? That's what we're discussing today with a man who will be speaking about his learnings, observations and skills in his mission to become an agency founder in the future at Brighton SEO in September. He's an SEO content strategist at Reprise. I want to welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, Ashley Liddell. Morning, David. All right, how are we doing? Very good. Thanks, Ashley. Well, you can find Ashley over at ashleyliddell.co.uk. So, Ashley, today you're sharing the five key ways SEO should be embracing their content teams, starting off with number one, focus on outcomes over outputs. Yeah, that's um, that's definitely one of the keys, I think. I think SEO is sort of in a, in a weird transition where, especially since the pandemic, since budgets have been shortening and agencies are expected to deliver a lot more and get brands as most as they can or as much as they can out of their budgets, it's become really obvious that we're, we're focusing on delivering X amount of blogs per month or delivering X numbers of pieces of content rather than focusing on what that content's actually going to achieve in terms of the grander landscape or the wider strategy. So I think one of the key ways for SEOs to do better and also bring content strategists and content strategy into that conversation is to really focus on that sort of outcomes over outputs. So SEOs, we tend to look at, okay, I need to create this piece of content to make this keyword. But if we can bring content strategists into that conversation and say, okay, well, how is this piece of content going to help me move people through the user journey? How is that going to benefit the brand in terms of getting people closer to that ultimate purchase decision then actually we can say okay well this doesn't need to be its own standalone blog this can sit within this piece of content or this can sit on this landing page and all of a sudden we're looking at creating a user experience that's encompassing a wider journey as opposed to just delivering x amount of blogs per month for a client and not really delivering on a overall strategy I guess the challenge is that uh, if the keywords that you're talking about are top of funnel type keywords and the funnel is quite long, mm-hmm. um, then it becomes the challenge of how do you measure the effectiveness of the, that piece of content? Uh, so what are your thoughts on kind of metrics or other outputs to measure the success of that type of content? Yeah, I'd say obviously we face them challenges daily, really. And understanding what metric you're going to use is is vital to the success of your strategy obviously in terms of what metrics i'd turn to if it was top of the funnel i'd be looking at pages per session i'd be looking at where the progression's going how many pages is, is a user going on to visit i'd also be looking at my brand awareness that's come around from that so am i getting impressions am i getting clicks on a say that's really key and then as i say I'd, I'd, I'd be more concerned with the amount of people that are continuing their journey and the KPIs that are associated with that, as opposed to the vanity metrics. So yeah, they'd be the big ones, I think. Can we move people down that funnel, obviously, is the, is the main one brands want us to achieve. So anything that's concerned with that, obviously, it's going to be different for different brands, what they need to look at for their audience or for their brand specifically. But definitely, how many people are we actually moving down that funnel? And what's an example of a vanity metric? Is it, is it a ranking position or something like that? A ranking position can be, yeah, because obviously if you you can be ranking position one, but if someone's got a featured snippet, that ultimately leads to people then remembering that brand and coming back to that brand for everyone in the journey. 
then it's okay ranking position one, but if someone's position zero, then it, it's ultimately pointless if you're not getting the traffic that then comes through with that. And then I'd also say, like, people also ask questions. So you could be ranking page one and think you're doing a really good job, but then all of a sudden, if someone's doing effective work at ranking within those various featured snippets, not just the people also ask, then that's going to be essential for their sort of success at moving people through that funnel. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of vanity metrics. I guess the challenge with people also ask type keyword phrases is they often allegedly have zero volume keywords, uh, zero volume traffic uh, when you measure them. So does that mean that, um, as far as you're concerned, they're they're worthless if if they have zero traffic volume? No, I'd say it's it's absolutely the opposite. Right. It becomes tough to then measure that output, but essentially, the more people that are remembering your brand, no matter what, as long as your content's getting front in front of the audience and they're remembering your brand, so that when they ultimately come to a purchase decision, and this is obviously looking really specifically at the top of the funnel, but if they're going to remember your brand later down the road, then that's absolutely fine. It's more if you're in a situation where your content's not strong enough so that they do remember your brand, but as long as they do and, and they're joining your website later down the funnel when they're moving towards that sort of consideration and conversion stages, then I'd say it's absolutely fine to have sort of be considering zero search volume keywords within your strategies or within your efforts. And um, point number two is move away from being robots, embrace creativity. Yeah, that ties nicely in with that a little bit, to be fair, because obviously as SEOs, we historically have been really super concerned with what Google and the likes are doing as algorithms. And I think that actually we're at a transition stage now where we're seeing brands turn to creative SEO. And instead of looking to talk to Google and talk to the various algorithms on search engines, whatever that might be, or whatever the platform might be, we're instead seeing brands focus on talking to the user first and saying, if I speak to my user first, the algorithms will follow suit. They'll essentially reward me for speaking to my audience or focusing on the audience and that's become really important because of sort of search everywhere in that it's okay to have content ranking on google and you could master the google algorithm but then all of a sudden your users are sort of demanding that you put in content on pinterest putting contrast content on tiktok or on youtube and all of a sudden then you're expected to master four algorithms or five Instead of trying to master those five algorithms, you could just master talking to your audience in an effective way or being creative in how you talk to your audience. And if you do that, then it's likely that that's going to resonate on some level with those various algorithms because ultimately they just want to give users the content to meet their needs. So if you can do that through creativity as opposed to just being a robot that's churning out text content, for example, or just speaking to algorithms specifically, I think your content's going to be in a much better position and that's another example of why we need to be leveraging our content teams because them guys are going to be able to do that a lot more effectively than traditional seos if that makes sense so you use that word effective effectively a few times there how do you measure if you're becoming more effective at talking to your audience your audience will tell you for definite so for example social shareability is going to be a big one if you're creating content that is 
attracting links, it's um, naturally building backlinks, or you've outreached that and then that's getting backlinks as a result of your outreach efforts, then it's likely that you're talking to your audience in an effective way because journalists are either covering it or websites have decided that it's where they've put in front of their audience who are likely then your audience as well. And then on a simpler level, if someone goes and shares your infographic, shares your video, shares your how-to guide on their social media, on their Reddit, wherever it is, then again, it's likely that that sort of social sharing is a good indication that it's worked for that user and they're willing to put their sort of word of mouth of sharing that. So I'd say that sort of shareability of your content and how wide you can get your content is a really good indication of how it's performing within your user audience. And point number three is move away from perfection paralysis. Yeah, this is this is a big one. I think myself included, especially when I first started um, in the industry, which wasn't too long ago, to be fair, everybody sort of seeks that perfect piece of content. And we need to remember that we're sort of serving content to an imperfect audience. So as content creators or as content strategists, we could create what we believe is the perfect piece of content. But 90% of our audience could think actually that's not a perfect piece of content. I needed this solution. So I guess what I'm trying to get at with that point is it's better to iterate a version of a piece of content and then test and learn and evolve, innovate that content over time rather than taking months deliberating, creating a piece of content, serving that piece of content and then realizing six months after that actually it completely misses the mark. You could have learned that at month one, at week one, just by testing, learning and innovating your content solutions. Great point. And number four, embrace experience as queen alongside content as king. Yeah, so this is a phrase I turned, uh, I coined, sorry, a couple of weeks ago on one of my LinkedIn posts. And it's essentially regarding this this idea that we've, we've sort of accepted as an industry that content is king or it's widely accepted that content is king. And for those people that accept that, I think that they'd probably also likely accept that content experience or user experience is queen i.e it's just as important as your content is and what i mean by this is we're at a stage now where to be remembered we need to be creating sort of effective content solutions and this goes back to the creativity point if we can basically create valid fun innovative content experiences that's going to lead to a brand awareness being generated people remembering us as they get further on during the journey or down the purchase funnel and essentially it means we're going to be making our brands more money when it comes to conversion time whatever that looks like buying a product buying a service it doesn't really matter so yeah i'd say it's it's a it's a vital stage of where we're at and it's only gonna it's only gonna develop and improve as as things like ai as as search everywhere becomes a bigger conversation point within the topic i think it's going to become even more vital and is there any trend that you're seeing that people prefer to consume now as content? If we speak to the Gen Z audience specifically, then it's clear that TikTok is sort of leading the way. We're seeing sort of bite-sized, shareable, really quick and snappy content is is becoming more and more prominent. And as Gen Z embrace that, then millennials are following and then all of a sudden the older audiences are likely to follow suit as well. I'd say that the sort of justification in that theory as well in the fact that Google's obviously introducing its perspectives feed, which is going to sort of share those sort of bite-sized pieces of content in the video format alongside other types of content as well. But I'd say it's a 
it's a direct sort of link to that video content, that short form, snappy, straight to the point content. Okay, yeah, you started off talking about Gen Z, but uh, then you said, okay, um, perhaps um, older generations are going to move towards that as well. So does that mean that if you're a brand that appeals to older generations, and that's primarily your target market, you should be seriously considering and moving towards publishing short form content? Yeah, I think so. Obviously, to start off with, you could experiment and test that on your website. I'm not sort of saying that you need to go and hire a TikTok team and put all your efforts into creating TikTok content specifically, but you could experiment and see if short form content works for your brand on your website first. And then as that starts to take shape and you you notice that your users are interested in that short form content, look at what the trend line is with TikTok and as more older audiences continue to adopt that platform, you could be first into the market by saying, okay, we've recognized that our users are willing to adopt short form content because we've tested it on our website. We're now seeing that more and more are taking TikTok seriously and are spending more time on TikTok. Let's repurpose that web content and put that on TikTok and again, just leverage that content further, get more bang for your buck and, and all of a sudden you've got a TikTok strategy there as well. And point number five, conduct the band, don't dictate them. Yeah, so this is more aimed at sort of workflow and and managing those relationships between teams. I think it'd be very easy for SEOs to sort of, and it has been historically as well, to be fair, for SEOs to sort of take the rein when it comes to the strategy and say, this is this is what we're doing, this is how we're doing it. And the content teams are sort of expected to just write the content as per the brief and then once it meets the brief it gets pushed live that's like a common workflow whereas i'd say we're at a stage now where it needs to be much more collaborative than that content strategists and content creators have a seat at the table they deserve a seat at the table and they probably always have but that needs to be happening now and we need to be inviting their sort of ideas into the conversation because it's now about in a world where we need to be creating the most creative solution we should be turning to the most creative people to come up with those solutions. So for SEOs that are maybe more tech-based, for SEOs that are really good at the strategy side of things, but they're not necessarily great at creating that big idea, then leverage the people that in your in your business, in your brand that can do that and involve them in the creation of your strategies so that essentially you're the conductor and you're not just dictating the strategy. Lovely points. Well, let's finish off with the Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says that you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? Yeah, so I think we mentioned earlier about the perfection paralysis point, and that is a big stumbling block for brands and for strategists. And I think that one task that people can do or strategists can do to really see if their content is working as hard as possible is to ask three questions of their content. So just ask, does it inspire, does it educate, and does it entertain? And if you can answer yes to those three or two of those three points, um, depending on the specific use case, then that's when I'd say, okay, this content is ready to go. It's a really quick, it's a really simple metric or way of checking that content. And once you've done that, you can just continually be asking that because that's likely to change over time. So as your content fatigues and it gets older, you just re-ask that question. And if you need to optimize, you optimize, ask that question again. And all of a sudden, you've got a, a really quick way of sort of checking over your content. I've been your host ever, Ben. You can find Ashley Liddell over at ashleyliddell.co.uk. Ashley, thanks so much for being on the In Search SEO podcast. 
I really appreciate it, David. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com. <laughs> <laughs>